The XY Advisor podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. All discussion is limited to publicly available information and should not be interpreted as legal, professional or financial advice. XY Advisor does not hold an AFS license nor provide any financial services. Before making investment decisions, you should obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. Financial advisors help Australians live better lives, and we're great at it. But what about us? For us to thrive in the coming years, I'm here to ask a very big question. How can we live better, run better businesses, and help more clients along the way? My name is Jessica Brady, and I would love for you to join me as I listen and learn from experts who answer these very big questions. I am lucky enough to record most of my podcasts on Gadigal Land. Dash was formed in April 2022, following a merger with financial planning software firm Raw Software, wealth platform software specialist Neo, and platform technology provider WealthO2. Dash is the first advice technology company to focus on solving problems across the end-to-end advice process. Dash helps. Dash's modular approach allows advisors to tailor their best-of-breed tech stack, helping streamline processes and leaving advisors time to focus on maintaining their clients' experience. Guess what, Ensemble community? That's a wrap. Yep, this is my very last podcast for 2022. Thank you so much for letting me be in your ears every week. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground. We've done everything from copywriting to cancer survivors. We've done death doulas to design experts. We've covered mental health. We've covered personal branding and almost everything in between. I really hope that at the end of this, you are feeling healthier, your business is feeling more robust, and you are genuinely excited to bring in 2023. I feel enormously privileged to have been part of this experiment really and I certainly am living better because of it. So no pressure but to round us out for today and the very last podcast of the year I wanted to introduce you to a man who has been I guess in some ways a mentor for me over the last five years. His name is Justin Hooper. He runs a business called Sentinel Wealth and every single time I speak to Justin I come out smarter I come out with insights that have me percolating on what he says for weeks, if not months afterwards. I wanted to understand how does he get to really, really know his clients and how does that actually infiltrate into his life? It's a really lovely conversation to round out the year. So I wish you and your family and your team the most wonderful of festive seasons and ensemble are back early 2023 to keep giving you all of the insights and expertise you need to have a cracking year. Merry Christmas. Hi, Justin. Hi. Hello, hello. So today's conversation is really exciting. Do you know that you're my last podcast guest for 2022? Oh, that's good. We'll uh, hopefully finish on a high. Yeah, no pressure. But if you could just make sure that this is the most valuable podcast of the entire year, that would be amazing. Something tells me it will be because I've known you for a little while and every time I speak with you, I come out of conversations a wise, wiser than I was when I walked in to the conversation. So thank you in advance. For the people that don't know you, though, I would love to start with learning a little bit more or sharing a little bit more about your story, Justin. 
Okay. It's quite a long story, but um, I'll give you a very shortened version, the stepping stone version maybe. Um, okay. I grew, up in, I grew up in South Africa. In hindsight, it was quite a privilege actually to grow up in the time where there was such a massive transition um, of society and of the political uh, elements of society because it really opened my eyes. You know, I was at um, Cape Town University, which was one of the most liberal universities in South Africa at the time, and so I was really at the coalface. And the, the, the point about it is it, it really made me think a lot, even at a, you know, as, as a student. Mm-hmm. Um, but I then had to do two years in the military. I played cricket at a sort of professional base, a pre- pre- professional level for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the Air Force, um, uh, went overseas a bit, then came back after that. And, and in my early 20s, um, well, 24 to be precise, started uh, a financial planning business. But I didn't like at the time the way it was done because it was, it was, um, um, it was all done on the on the on the on the commission basis, which didn't really suit me. And and so I changed the way it was done, and um, focused more on um, uh, you know on, on really looking after the whole being, as it were, the whole person. So that was my approach. I linked up with Ernst and Young for a while. Uh, for 10 years, actually, the business was uh, 50% owned by Ernst & Young. Um, mm. and we worked with them. And, um, and so it's really it's a bit of a background. I mean, our process was it was developed as a result of some of my personal experiences, which I can tell you more about. Um, so that's a bit of a background. You've had a very varied career. I didn't know about some of those other pieces. Interesting. And now it makes sense knowing what I know a bit about you in terms of your holistic approach. So I feel like I know... Uh, where that maybe has come yeah. from. But let's talk about that. So Sentinel Wealth is your business and it's yeah. your approach to advice, I would say, is quite unique. And obviously the longevity or how long you've been providing that advice style for, you know, you would have been doing this in a time where it would be unheard of yeah. to do with some of the things that you did. Can you talk to us more about what is your approach to giving advice to clients? Yeah. And uh, again, I'll keep it, keep it as short as I can. But basically the philosophy behind it is that that all of us as human beings, particularly those of us in, in, in capitalist societies, which is really the whole world, I suppose, now, um, but we, we grow up and, and slowly but surely, it's, 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 it's a concept called the hero's journey, which, which influenced our approach quite a lot. And, mm-hmm. and the, 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 key, the key component of it is that um, we are born into what I would call our authentic self. So there's very little difference. If There's no difference, really, between... Uh, what a toddler shows the world, their public persona, as it were, as it were, and their authentic self, and that's why toddlers are generally so happy. And so, what then happens is that we, as we grow up, we have uh, sort of um, painful experiences, and those painful experiences uh, force us to develop strategies to develop with that pain, to try and avoid that pain. And as we do that, we we develop a public persona, a persona that we show the world. Uh, and that persona becomes a little different. We sacrifice what's more important to us to survive in the world, as it were, in quotes. Uh, and and as that gap gets larger and larger, we become more and more unhappy, actually. So the more, further away from our authentic selves we become, the more unhappy we become. And then what happens is that uh, we learn or we think we learn that the, the, the key issue that will close that gap is money. And so we go after the money thinking as soon as we get enough money, we'll close that gap and that's when we can start getting back to our authentic selves. But by that stage, 
we've become so habitual in who who the public persona is. We don't even know who we are anymore, uh, and and so we often a lot of people often end their lives fairly unhappy. Um, so that's kind of what our, our process is based on. Uh, so it's sort of based on the hero's journey, and it's all about finding the treasure, which is our authentic selves, and and using money to facilitate that process. That's I mean it's a very short uh, summary. It's a short but interesting summary. And so you take people on quite a journey. But before we get into the client journey, because I have many questions about that, I think Mm. probably up front, you're quite comfortable with the idea that your business is not for everyone because you are going to take them through a pretty robust process. And you've kind of developed developed some sort of way of being able to assess whether they are a good fit or whether you're a good fit for them. Before we get into the journey piece, can you talk to a little bit about that so that how you're deciding who gets to go on that journey with you? I mean, it, it sort of is for everyone, but but everyone may not be quite ready for it. Um, mm. But but in a strange way, I mean, maybe there's a metaphor I could use here, which is which is imagine that you're at the bottom of a of a of a of a of a, of a hill. Let's say a fairly fairly extensive hill, and 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 you're stuck in a in a in a, in a quagmire of deep sticky mud as it were right so that we would call your cycle of suffering that's the that's the 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 painful experiences that you've had and the belief systems that you've created that's got you stuck in in where you are and you're not enjoying life that's called your that's what we call your uh, your cycle of suffering but you're in this mud okay and you know that at the top of the hill uh if you get to the top of the hill it's absolute bliss it's the most wonderful place it's almost like you are in heaven at the top of the hill that's your authentic self. Now, our role is to help you free yourself from the mud, get up the hill as quickly and easily as possible, and and by doing so, what we what we try to do is make it as easy as possible to get up the hill by by focusing you on your deep motivators. What are you going to get when you get to the top? That's not goals and objectives. That's not the doing and the having. It's not the the pleasure, as it were. It's more the the being. It's the who you are authentically. And, and and I, I use the word authentically maybe too much, but it's it's really just you know it's, uh, you know um, it's becoming more of what makes you happy, um, which is do uh, which is being rather than doing and having. Um, and so our process, my, almost everyone is ready for it if they if they don't um, if they don't get uh, almost if they don't get confused uh, confused by it. The onus is on us to explain it well, and that's where one of the challenges is. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm sure that there's plenty of people stuck in the mud going, I definitely want to be on top of the mountain, but I want a chairlift and I want to go straight yeah. there and I don't want to do any hard work. And you're probably saying to them, oh, no, there's yeah. no chairlift. You have to walk up the hill and it's going to be yeah. a lot. Yeah, but but knowing what's up there is almost mm-hmm. a chairlift, right? So if you know why you're doing something, it makes it a lot easier to do it. It's when you don't know why you're doing it that it becomes hard. Totally. And so you've developed a way to try to – understand whether people are ready to be taken on that journey. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 What does that look like? Well, it's, um, it really is, it's, it's largely a, a, what, they, what they're mostly focused on, right? So when we sit down with them, we have a, in the very first meeting we have, um, we effectively, in our, in our own minds, what's happening is that we are asking them about their concern. You know, we, we talk about it as concerns, but it's really what's keeping you stuck in the mud, as it were. But so what worries you? What are your top of mind concerns? What do you think is holding you back? 
Um, and that's the, that's the conscious uh, or conscious incompetence, let's call it. Um, but it's, so it's the conscious concerns. And then we also uncover the, the unconscious or subconscious concerns. All those things are the things that are holding you back. And then we, so that, that's like freeing you from this anchor or this restriction. That's the one part of, of freeing you up. And the second part is then saying, why are we doing it? Right? We uncover. And if it comes from within the person, it's incredibly invigorating and, and, and powerful. So it does become almost a chairlift if they know why they're doing something. I'll give you a simple example. But if I do believe very strongly that the only time people ever learn about unconditional love is when they have a child. I don't think before that you really know what unconditional love is. And so when you have a child, when people have a child, then they will kind of do anything for that child, especially in the early days. You know, you hear these stories about women, you know, picking up a car to get a, a car off their, off their child, for example, right? So they get the superpower strength. And, and, and that's what happens when you know what your deep motivators are. You know, I've just had a situation literally this morning with somebody who you know, I've known for a long time, who, who I went through the deep motivators and, and I got a text, um, literally not, uh, not, sort of an hour later saying, and I'll just tell you right now what it said. Um, it, you know, that was really good. Thank you. It's put a fire under me. Mm. So that's what happens. You know, you get really invigorated and, and, uh, and powerful, and therefore the goals and objectives are so much easier to achieve. Do you find it can be, for some people, quite hard to get them to really get to that deep motivator place where they're feeling like they can, A, be vulnerable, but also really unpack what is a deep core motivator and what do you do when people really struggle or don't know tell you that they don't know what motivates them i i believe that uh that everybody knows at least at a subconscious level so it's in there we just have to get it out of them um and mm-hmm. so i don't think that that the approach should be almost a confronting or judgmental approach i think that there's a massive difference between values and deep motivators. And I think it's very often confused. So Can we that, stop there? Can yeah. you elaborate more? Sure. Value, values, this is only my definition, right? hmm. but values to me are, um, value. The, the word values has a moral overtone. And, and, and that's not what this is about. This is not about being judgmental or moralistic about things. This is about trying to understand who this person is in their purest form and, and what, type of person what what kind of person do they need to be to make them the happiest version of themselves that's all it's that's what it's about now that's in them so you have to just find subtle and easy ways of getting fun ways of getting getting it out of them right and you can do it very easily i can do it over a coffee i can do it in a pub when people are not even know, they don't even know that i'm doing it that's how easy it is and have you developed these questions over time or is this a model that you've used like how have you been able to develop a way to be able to extract it easily? When you know what you're looking for, it's very easy. But I've developed the, the methods myself. Um, I've found that a lot of the other methods are, don't, don't work as well. There's some methods where there's sort of, you know, 10 or 15 or 16 or something um, uh, alternatives, and all roads are going to lead to those 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 alternatives. There's not You can't have any deep motivators beyond that, that range. Now, I don't believe in that. Even though people or human beings are quite common in a lot of their desires and and and, and motivators, that I mean, you know, the whole Maslow approach tells you that as well, and I agree with that. 
but but at a more detailed level, I think we we're quite different. So, for example, you know, somebody who uh, wants to make a difference to society, or somebody who um, is a parent, they will they will describe that motivator in a very different way. So, somebody one person might say, you know, I want to be a very good mother or something. Another person might say, I want to be the father that I would have wanted to have had. Subtle, but but different. And and we would capture the, them in in the words literally <clears throat> that the person uses. And so they become the deep motivators that are obviously really integral to the advice that you give. But how does yeah. this form part of the broader client journey that you offer? Because you've created, I'm going to say it wrong, Centos. How do we say this process that you've that you've Cientos. got? Yeah, Centos. Yeah. What is yeah. the Centos yeah, process? It. It's actually. Yeah. So the, the word Cientos is a sort of anglicized uh, com- combination of two ancient Greek words, which, which actually mean to shift the weight of a burden. So the idea behind it is that we often carry this burden around, and, and, if we can rem- and the burden is related to our belief system, and often it's around our belief system about money. Uh, and what our role is to shift that weight of the burden in order to clear the way so that this person can can have a clearer path to their authentic selves and to their and to their happiness you know again because there's a big difference between happiness and pleasure so pleasure pleasure is the doing and the having um happiness is the being so so when you uncover somebody's deep motivators what you find is they will use the words being i want to be the father that i would have wanted to have had or i want to be a contributor to, to society you know, so that those are those are deep motivators, and they never have money or time in them, never ever. So mm. Mm. Um, th- that's the sort of and so uncovering those is is relatively easy. And in, you know, we will depending on the situation, but we'll use you know if you put two if you put so much money or no money in a question, then you can you can, that's one way of doing it. So if I say to you, you know, if I give you total freedom, because often people will say. You know, what they want money for is to give them freedom or independence or whatever. Okay, well, let me assume you've got the freedom. Let's assume you've got the freedom now. So what? How does that change your life? And so, and, and they, now, now they start contemplating, they start thinking, and they go into their own world. And what happens in this process is you can literally physically see them starting to drift into a whole different thought process as if you're not even in the room, as if the advisor's not even there. They're in their own world now, and you just literally facilitating their experience and that's what they're having and so because freedom is actually more well defined when you get them thinking like that i presume that they then start to think about well what would they actually do if they were free of needing to do the things that they feel like they need to do they then form the goals that you start working on from an advice perspective again that's a really good question okay so this is where the skill of the advisor is required right because as I sort of keep saying, is there's a big difference between goals and deep motivators. So mm. in the conversation, they will they will intermingle both. So then, and 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 a deep motivator is when there's no next question, right? So for example, if somebody says, "Well, you know, um, you know, I, I want to, uh, I want to have some money, right? I want money, okay." Well, and and there's obviously a next question. Well, what is that for? And they say, "Well, I want to travel." There's a next question, and that's, well, why do you want to travel? What's it for? And they say, well, I want to go to different countries. I want to, you know, okay, there's another next question, which is, 
um, what is it about going to different countries that that is so exciting for you or interesting for you? Well, there's lots of different cultures there. Okay, and then you keep going, and eventually they, they will land on something like, well, isn't that what life's about? Mm-hmm. Okay, then you know you've landed. There's no next question after that, right? That's what life's about for them. And so, therefore, that last answer will become one of the deep motivators. And the way to test also is you take it away from them. So if you say you have this fantastic life, you know, for example, you you know, you travel a lot, you see all the countries in the world, you are very successful financially, your business is great, your relationship with your spouse is fantastic, etc. And, 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 but you, and you, and, but the, you have everything, in other words, but you are estranged from your children. You just have to let it land. There's no question even. You will see the response if, it is a, if it's a deep motivator. If they go, no, 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 that wouldn't be any good, then you know that's part, that's part of who they are. If they go, well, that's okay. You know, if you say, for example, you never, ever leave Australia ever again, and they go, well, that's okay, I could do that, and that's all right. Well, then that, that, that's not, not a big thing for them. It's not a deep motivator. And so how long does this process take to find the deep motivators and to, to really learn and understand the person that's in front of you? So we do – there's two elements of what we really focus on. Um, so remember earlier I spoke about the, the, the hero's journey and the, and the, the um, painful experiences. Okay, now those painful experiences around money or experiences around money form the frame of reference or the belief system around money. So we start there usually. We'll start with uncovering and understanding what the client's frame of reference around money is, what their, what their beliefs are their frame of reference, and then their patterns of behavior around it. So because obviously patterns of behavior, so if you think about it at a very basic level, if you have a belief about something, if you repeat that belief, it becomes an attitude. If you hold on to that attitude, it will become behaviors. If you hang, if you can repeat the behaviors, they become patterns of behavior. And if you repeat the patterns of behavior, they become outcomes. So your outcomes are directly related to your beliefs. That, that applies to anything. Mm-hmm. And so we try and uncover those beliefs and therefore the patterns so that we can explain the current outcomes because the client has come to us because they're not happy with their outcomes. Clearly, they're not happy. So there's no point in only dealing with what we, do, what we, what we call the nuts and bolts of money. That's the mechanics, the strategies, all that stuff, right? The investment, the tax, the superannuation, all that sort of stuff. That's the mechanics or the nuts and bolts. You have to also deal with the interior of money, which is the way people think about money. Because the thinking is actually more important than the nuts and bolts. So we start off with the thinking in two things. One is the frame of reference. We see whether that's leading to a consistent problem. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is we uncover the deep motivators. Right. So those two conversations for one person will take uh, about 40 minutes, 40 to 60 minutes in total. That's for both of those conversations. That's quicker than I thought. Yeah. By the end of that, I can tell you we know them very, very well. And then what happens? So you've you've gathered this really interesting information. What do you yeah. do with it? Okay. So so our our um, our first we've got three phases of our process. There's three phases of the Santos process. There's the planning phase, there's the implementation phase, and there's the renewal phase. Renewal, not review. Right? Mm-hmm. So renewal because it's a journey and we're renewing the journey. So the first phase, it breaks down into three stages, and those stages are visioning, which is the, what I've just been talking about. That's really the interior of money. <clears throat> then there's the, the, the scenario planning, which is where we map out the different life scenarios, including putting into – I mean, because at the end of the day, it is about cash flow. 
So we put into cash flow models and into scenarios, um, which comes to some extent from my experiences in South Africa back in the 70s and 80s, when, when South Africa was scenario planned, or we used some of that, that, uh, those techniques. Um, and we'll build models to show them eventually to land on, on what we call a call to adventure. Now, the call to adventure is where the client, in the first, the first stage, they've, they've, you know, we've allowed them to dream and to, and to paint their, their ideal scenario, paint their fairy tale, as it were. Um, in the second stage, which is the scenario planning, we, end up with them go and again you see it in their body language where they go wow hang on a second so that's actually possible so the the dream becomes reality in the second stage and in hero's journey parlance that basically is the call to adventure and that that is where they, they are now being called to their ideal life they're being called to their authentic selves they've been called to the, there's no longer a money excuse for not being happy in their lives mm. All right, mm-hmm. and that's what happens in the second stage, and then the third stage is where it all gets pulled together into an action plan, and 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 that's when the rubber hits the road. About this is what is it required to be done. Uh, then the next the next phase is implementation. We start doing it, and then the last is an ongoing thing where it's the renewal of that journey where we basically refresh all of those those first three stages. And presumably, advice documents are given, and we're formal formal. Yeah, okay. In- Interesting. And so this renewal that you do, is this once a year or how do you make sure people are renewing when they need to? Oh, it's a minimum of once a year, but okay. um, it can be more frequently. And then, then the meetings that we have with them will, will be broken down into different categories. We're not going to renew, um, like we wouldn't renew the visioning every single time we meet. You know, often, as you know, it's, 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 um, <clears throat> it can be a more basic level where we're just dealing with one topic or something, you know, but but it all the, the 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 strength of the process is that everything relates back to the deep motivators. Um, so you know, for example, if you're doing their investment or their superannuation or their their estate planning or their insurance, if if a strategy, you know, if you think of it, you get when it comes to the the the, the nuts and bolts of of money of money management, you get strategies, tactics, and tools. So you know, the, and so. When you are applying those, any one of those you know, strategies, tactics, or tools, they have to be able to relate back to a deep motivator. If they don't relate to a deep, you know, the client's almost saying to you, you know, you are recommending that I do ABC. Tell me how that is going to ultimately make, fulfill my deep motivators and therefore make me happier, yeah, right? Um, and that's, that's why it all links back to the deep motivators. And so when we are meeting with them on a regular basis, that you know, we are basically relating it all back. So you don't have to refresh the deep motivators, but you because you really know them. But you can re- refer to them, and you briefly, you know, you in the conversation, it becomes clear that that you you know what's important to this client, and then you you know when you're implementing the strategies, it comes out. You know, this might be too practical, but I have a question about capturing those and using them in the advice documents do you put them in your advice software do you have them in are they referenced in the statement of advice through the strategies yeah very much so they they we we do break our documents down into three um categories the one is the visioning we do a vision summary where okay. we where we have the money beliefs and the patterns of behavior and the deep motivators uh we actually do a life vision for each client so that's where that's where they really 
you do see quite some emotions there where you capture the, you know, in, in a, you know, in descriptive terms, you know, you sort of capture what the ideal life looks like. And usually they react very strongly to it. Um, you know, where you can just see, you know, if you've got it right, they, re- they react strongly. If, if, if they don't react strongly, well, you know, if you think of it practically, if you're talking about something that's the most important things to, to somebody, then there should be some emotional response. And, mm-hmm. and if there isn't, you must, you can't have it right. So we would go back to it then and, and just see where we've got it wrong. Um, but we, to answer your question, we, we, we have a vision summary in the first document. We then have what we call the strategic pathways, which is the, the various models, cash flow models and the conclusions are the models. And then you have the actual plan. You've developed a, obviously a, a really robust process. What have been your learnings? Like what have you learned if, for people who don't have a process anywhere near as sophisticated as yours? I'm, but want to go on the journey, can you help us understand things that have really supported and helped you to build what you've built and also things that perhaps didn't work out like you'd hoped? Well, I think, you know, I mean, that's a very very interesting question from a number of perspectives. But but I suppose the the answer I'd give you is that it's almost like uh, there's a lot of fakes around, right? There's a lot of people who who pretend to to do this kind of work, but they're not actually doing it. They're using it as a sales tool rather than as a planning process. There's a big difference between a sales tool where you're pretending to, to take an interest in a client and genuinely taking an interest. And so my learnings are you've got to actually, first of all, want to do the work. If you don't really want to do the work, if you don't really have an interest in the human as opposed to their money, then don't do it. Rather become the technician or the mechanic, and stick to your stick to your learning, okay? Because you because because you'll be found out eventually, and you won't enjoy it. You really will not enjoy it because you, you people. I can see with people that don't really enjoy it, they feel uncomfortable doing it, and then they try using techniques, and then they take a list of questions to the to the meeting. You don't need a list of questions if you're doing this. If you actually believe in this stuff, um, so. That's the first thing I would say is, is start off with whether you really believe it, where you really want to want to do it, with, and, and that's a philosophical um, a philosophical piece of work you've got to do, right? To really understand what it's about, mm. and then and then you go from there, and then you you know you work out how it's done, and and you and you and if you understand what what you where you're trying to get to, then you can develop your own technique, or you, or you can learn from others. How do you bring the technique that you've built into your life and your team's lives? Um, into my life, it's well. I mean, the bottom line is we live it. Um, we, you know, I mean, I live it, and I'm very familiar with my own deep motives all the time. Um, I don't have to repeat them daily because I just know what they are, and um, and so it it's it's a good reminder always when you when, you know if something's something's happening. It, it's like a it's like the North Star, to use that sort of cliche, right? It's your deep motivators are your North Star. So if you're not living, if, if you're not living your deep motivators at any time, uh, then you, you are likely to be unhappy, right? And so, you know, something's wrong then if you're not actually living them, if you're not, and therefore you've got to be aware of them and, and you've got to continually be aware of what, what your ideal life looks like right? and, and be heading towards it. So I mean, part of the reason why I do this work is because doing meaningful work and having having meaning in in what I do is one of my deep motivators. That's the reason why I do it. I don't do it for money. I mean, I I intend to be successful financially, but that's a byproduct. I mean, I don't. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. No, I think it's interesting, and I would imagine. Well, actually, let's not imagine. 
when you have people join your team, presumably you've got a way to try to figure out a culture match before they join your team anyway. But if they've been advisors before and they say to you, yes, I really do want to do that type of work that you've identified, do you find that it's an easy transition for them to start having these sorts of conversations or do you feel like there needs to be quite a lot of training to get people to learn and to listen and understand what people are really saying when they're saying something? Yeah, so my simple answer to you um, is no, it's not easy. Um, Mm. uh, And so there's an extension to that answer, and that is that I think it goes back to that comment I made about my learnings. Um, I think it's back to the does this person really want to do this kind of work or or, or are they trying to convince themselves that they want to do this kind of work? So if you take somebody who really is focused on the technical side and the you know, the mechanics of money or the nuts and bolts of money, it's very difficult for them if they, if they believe that is actually what it's all about to break out of that mold. Well, it's very difficult for that to occur. And um, so you have to find somebody who really, really is committed to it. And you can see that, right? So, but it's, it's not easy because there are very few people around actually that, that do believe in, in this stuff. There are very few people. Yeah. And I can imagine, you know, this is years of you, testing and trying and learning and observing and yeah it would be quite challenging to bring someone in and try to train them on something that is probably quite intrinsic and and easy for you now but not easy to articulate or have a manual for per se if if it's if if somebody is if they are um self-aware and they really want to do this kind of work they're very easy to train incredibly easy to train okay that's the difficulty, right? If you get somebody who, who really is is open to this and they understand it and they and they get the philosophy of it and they get all, then they're very easy to train. Very easy because it's it is actually relatively simple stuff. You know, they, they we call them conversations on purpose. You know, so if you're open to it, so for example, you know, um, you know, I'll give you a simple example. I can see there's a lovely picture of a horse behind you. Now, if, if I if I um, decided that I wanted to talk about horses to you, right, just as a topic, and and, and I, I'm coming into this conversation and, I'm, and I want to talk about horses sometime, and I don't have to plan it. I just plant that seed in my head. I want to talk to Jess about horses, okay? And along the way, there will be somehow the conversation will go in that direction, and I'll say, well, that reminds me of a horse sort of thing or whatever it is, or, or it'll, just, it'll just work. That's a conversation on purpose. And why I say that is because if you um, want to find out what is most important to somebody and you know what what those de- what deep motivators mean as opposed to goals and objectives, and, I, and I'm constantly re- correcting people about the, the on the difference there, if you really know that, then in any conversation it'll go there. If you know, if you know, if you go, if you let's say you go. You know, you, you you go for a drink on over the weekend or somewhere. You go for a lunch or something. You say, you know, let let's say, and you you know, you, you you've known somebody for a long time, and you want to know something. You want to know what's more important to them. What is really important to them? And you just plant that seed in your own mind. That becomes a conversation on purpose, and you'll find that that conversation will end up going to the place that you 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 thought it would go without it, without a specific plan to get there. So you don't have to you don't have to know. Okay. This is exactly the question I'm going to ask this person. You just have to have a deep interest in the person, in the human, right? And and then now, I want, you know, it's important to me to know what's really important to this person, and then you'll find it. You don't have to have techniques. Good. Yeah. I like that. 
because sometimes I think we make things more complicated than they sound like they need to be. Uh, Can we just, because you've talked about it so much and I think Mm. I've understood it, but let's just be really clear. So you develop or discover someone's deep motivators and then you obviously figure out through your process how this is getting modeled and turned into a goal um, and then the tools and components that go with it. And then how do you track progress in the renewals? Like how are you making sure that people are staying true to their North Star, not just from a financial perspective, but from a deep motivated perspective as well? Our our, uh, purpose, so our our value proposition is to alleviate any anxiety around money or, you know, you don't have to stick to the specific words, but basically we have to free the person up I mean, to put it in, in, another, in another more blunt way, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't put to a client like this, but basically we want to take away any excuse around money for them not to live the best life they can live, okay? So we want to do that on the one hand, and then we want to, free, we want to use money to create leverage or, or an easier way. You use the, 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 the metaphor of a chairlift, to create the chairlift, to make it easy for them to, to get to their ideal life um, as soon as possible. So... How do we do it on, annual, on, a, on a regular basis? Well, the first thing we have to do is focus on, on alleviating any concerns they have and using and then cre- and creating the leverage. So if they will come in for a meeting, we've known them for 10 years, one of the first things we can ask them is, do you have any concerns? Is there anything that's, that's, that you're worried about that just distracting you around money? Because we've got to get rid of that. We actually say to clients, if you ever think about money in a negative way, stop there, pick up the phone and say, I'm thinking about money in a negative way or I'm concerned about money. You might advise it must be your fault, right? Because I shouldn't be thinking about money in a negative way. You should have sorted that out, okay? Because my job is to concentrate on my life and to live my happiest life, okay, and, and to focus on what's important to me. Your job is to make sure I don't get distracted by money, okay? So that's the first thing that we do when they come in. We ask them, is there anything distracting you? Is there anything? And let's assume they say, no, no, not at all. Okay, well, the next thing for us to do is to optimize their financial strategies so, because obviously we've reminded them of their, their, their deep motorways. We've reassessed and, and re-agreed their goals and objectives. So let's say, for example, let me link a few things together. Let's say that the deep motivator is, is to be the best version of myself. Okay, I want to be the best version of me. Okay, That's the deep motivator. So the goals and objectives will change as you go through life. The deep motivators will not. The, the order in which the deep motivators appear might change, but the actual deep motivators will not change. So being the best version of myself, well, okay, at the, t- at the time it might be, uh, well, I, I want to um, I want to do a PhD, okay? I want to study and do a PhD in money beliefs, okay? And, and so that's now a goal. Well, how much money does that cost? Let's say it's going to cost $20,000 a year for four years or something like that. Well, where's the money going to come from? So we map out the cash flow modeling, okay, and we see, okay, this is where the money is going to come from. In order to do that, we're going to have to implement these particular strategies and so on. So that's how the strategies and tactics, uh, and and so when the client comes in, that's sort of the path that we're on. Okay, so we know that you want to be the best version of yourself. We know that currently your goal is to do a PhD. We've got this plan in place. Are you implementing the plan? So let's check the cash flow tracking, and let's check that everything's in place and doing what – the model or the projection assumed it would do because the assumptions are now targets. 
assumptions we made, which all worked out very nicely. It was all very pretty and perfect and all worked out. But now we have to make those assumptions. They, they, they have to turn them into reality. So the assumptions become targets. Are we achieving those targets? And if we're not, what are we going to do? I want to ask what might be a stupid question. Wouldn't be my first one. What happens in your experience with people that you've been working with for a long time? What happens when they get to the top of the mountain? Uh, they never they, – they, well, that's when they are happy, but they're not. And we've got a few people like that. They are, they are um, they're perfectly happy, and they, um, uh, but they continue to be, and it's a continual journey. It doesn't stop. They don't, they don't suddenly go, well, now I'm, I've, I'm there, I've arrived. That doesn't happen. As you can imagine, it's a continual. So let's say your deep motivator, because you can never actually achieve a deep motivator as opposed to a goal. So you live a deep motivator. You don't achieve it. Mm, mm. Sure. So being the best version of yourself, for example, uh, or contributing to others or animals, right? Those are things that, that you live and they are never achieved. I ask because I have people who are probably significantly younger than the people that you're working with. The mountain feels very far away. And I think it's, I think you're a hundred percent right. And it's just, it's good to validate that what I thought the answer might be is, is the Mm. answer um, and that it's a continual journey. And also with us living longer and being able to live better lives for longer, people are getting the opportunity to, you know, go back to uni when they've finished work and, you know, do fun things that maybe people would never have given thought to before. Yeah, so just just a quick comment on your your point about young people thinking the um, the uh, and you've just made me think about something as well. But but mm-hmm. uh, about me, about you know me me um, when I was younger. Um, but you know, young people, the, the the mountain feels a long way away. They are focused on goals and objectives. They are in that classic thing that I was telling you about, where where when I when I am in this situation, then I will be happy or then I'll be able to so the mountain's a long way away. No, the mountain's right here. The mountain is it, the top of the mountain is is available tomorrow or today, right? Because there's no reason why you why you can't live your deep motivators from now. You just need to know what they are and then you start living them now. If it feels a long way away, that's because you're focused on the goals, not not on the deep motivators. Mm. You can live your best version of yourself right now. You can contribute to others right now. Why don't we call it Deep Motivator Mountain? Yeah. I feel like sure. that's what we're going to call it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're going to call it. Rather than Goal Mountain, I feel it's yeah. Deep Motivator, deep motivator yeah. Mountain. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Did you yeah. have something else that you wanted to add while I was asking my question? Oh, well, I was that? just thinking about what I was like when I was younger, you know, and, and, and I was like that. Um, I was... I was always like a when this happens, then I'll be happy kind of thing. And that's probably what you know, the, what your, your question made me think about. That may have been a catalyst, one of the catalysts for me, you know, ending up doing this kind of work. Mm. And I think most of us have been taught to believe yeah. that that is what happens, that you won't get there until X, Y, or Z. Yeah. As you say, in this capitalist society, we've done a great job of explaining that that's how you get there, which yeah. many people will tell you is wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other element that <clears throat> that happened for me that, um, that that links to everyone too is your, is your belief system or your frame of reference because that together with uh, – well, I suppose actually – actually, no, hang on. The, the, it's the same thing actually. What we're saying is, you know, you get taught these things and, and that forms your belief system. So it's really the same thing. You know, if you if you think – if you if you believe that, that more money will um, – you know, will will free you up and allow you to be happier. 
which you know it's not untrue it's not you know it's not completely untrue to say that more money more, more money doesn't make you less happy it's up to a certain point it makes you more happy and then beyond that point it's neutral it doesn't make you more or less happy you know it's just something completely different you know your happiness comes from other sources right so so that's the issue with with money in that respect i mean we, you know we've all got people have got lots and lots of money that they'll never ever spend but but they they are not happier necessarily than people with a lot, a lot less than them yeah uh i think this is fascinating one of the things that you've said today that i find really interesting is i was asking you about how easy it is for people to to do this and you said obviously you need to make a decision whether you're going to be someone who who genuinely wants to yeah. lean into these conversations or whether they're going to do the nuts and bolts and I think, you know, we always should hold the mirror up. And I think sincerely thinking about how much of this we've done to ourselves and learnt for mm. ourselves because, you know, there can be some amongst us, Justin, who have the Ooh. leaky tap plumber yeah. analogy. But I think it would be really hard to do this kind of work if you haven't gone through this process yourself. And I don't think these are conversations that very many advisors are having at nearly the same level of depth and thought that you have. You're right. You can't, first of all, on the first comment you made, you, I, I, I don't think you can ever do this kind of work um, if you haven't been through it yourself and if you're not living it yourself. I think it's impossible. I think it's inauthentic, but, but you know, I, I think it's impossible, most importantly. And so because you can't, you can't, you can't have the conversations with clients if you, if you haven't been on the other side. It's just not that. And, and it becomes very easy if you, if you have been through it really well the conversations become quite easy, interesting enough. So, so when I've done training of advisors in this sort of work, which I used to do much more of than I, than I do now, um, two-thirds of the training was designed around them going through the process themselves first. And then the last third was how, you know, it was some of the techniques that, were, that had been used in that process. Makes sense. Makes yeah. so much sense. I could talk to you all day long. You know that already. Yeah. Um, and the listeners will know that I can talk all day long. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to learn more about you and what you do, where's the best place for them to find you? I mean, our website is obviously there's quite our website is has got quite a lot of content. Um, so centerwealth.com.au is is the one is a, probably the best place. Mm. I'm quite keen to to. I wrote a very brief book a while back, but it, it's not. Uh, I wouldn't say it's my best work on this sort of thing. I've evolved a lot since then, <clears throat> and so I'd like Book to write two, that maybe. sometime. Yeah, no, I'd love to. If I had the time, I'd, I'd, I'd love to just get what's what's in my head out then in, uh, into a book. But um, our website is probably the best. Okay. Uh, before we finish up today's podcast, which has been really interesting and I've taken lots of notes, and which is why mm. I've been ferociously um, scribbling away, um, I'd love to finish with some rapid-fire questions if you're up for it. Sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, I would love to know, Justin, what's one thing that you do to look after your mental health? Um, I, um, nature is one of my, <clears throat> one of my deep motives. So I, not being in Africa now, um, I go swimming in the ocean and take a camera with me so that and I'll talk to the fish literally. I mean, I swim for exercise, but I also, um, I also take pictures of fish. What do you mean so you talk that. to the fish? We need to understand. I, what does that I mean? have a little conversation with them and as I as I swim past them, I sort of will. <laughs> <laughs> that's not your best angle. If you could just turn yeah. so I could get a better a shot, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so that's the one thing. I, uh, so nature is, is I find very, very helpful. Um, mm. The other thing is that I practice um, elements of stoicism. So stoicism is, a, is an ancient – philosophy which is basically 
you know, for one, like there's various philosophies, and one of them, for example, is is um, amor fati, which is which is uh, Latin for a love of your fate, <clears throat> which at a practical level <clears throat> really, <clears throat> excuse me, just means um, that you accept life is uh, full of experiences, and whatever those experiences are, that's all they are. They're just experiences, and and you're there to live them, and and there to actually enjoy them, even when they're difficult, because without without difficulty you never know yeah as the buddhists say no joy without suffering Mm. so you you actually can't define joy without having the opposite um so i do that so you know i I practice um amorphite and um memento mori which is another latin um phrase which means uh remember you will die remember you are mortal basically um which effectively means you know you you need to focus every day on on uh on, on what makes you tick or what makes you happy in my, on your deep motivators. You can't always be thinking about the long-term future because it doesn't mean to say you shouldn't plan for it, but it, it's, but you, you do have an obligation almost to remember that. Remember that you, you're fallible and you, will, and you will die at some stage, and so you need to enjoy every minute. Don't waste a minute. Agree. Okay, these aren't very rapid, but I love them. So I'm giving us both okay. um, um, permission to keep talking more about this. I'd love to know, Justin, and you sort of talked about this, but in case you've got a different answer, what is a piece of advice that you would give to younger Justin? I spe- uh, two things. Okay, one, one is um, <clears throat> one is is specialized actually, right? So I would um, there's there's diff- different specializations within this work that that mm-hmm. we are we working on. Um, mm-hmm. So um, that's the one thing to so specialize at a deeper level, really deep level. I'd like to do a PhD on on, um, on money beliefs because I think that's the single most important thing. But um, so specialize would be the one thing, and uh, um, you know the more fighty basically, which is which if a younger me was too intense, I was way too intense and focused on on goals, way too fo- focused. And so if I understood those deeper things at a much younger age, I would have been much more relaxed and I probably would have achieved a lot more because I would have taken more risk because I wouldn't have been worried about it as much. So I didn't take very much risk in my life other than going to business. Um, I didn't take much financial risk because going back to it, you know, for time for another time, baby, I can tell you about my, some of my money beliefs that came out of my youth and that made me very risk averse actually with, with money. Mm. And so that's held me back in some ways. Mm. I think it's fascinating when you start realizing your own money beliefs and then you start realizing how they've helped and supported and sabotaged yeah. Yeah, to where correct. you've got to today. That's right. Uh, what is something that's on your bucket list? So bucket list is also quite an interesting concept, but, but I mean, um, I mean, animals is the thing that, that, uh, you know, sometimes I ask people, you know, if you've only got, if you can only do one more trip in your life ever, mm. you know, mm. where would you go and who would you go with? Now, I mean, that's a question that will get to deep motivators, actually. Okay, so, so. Um, What's yours? What's your answer? I'd go and sit in the bush in 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 Africa, in South Africa, probably. I'd go and sit in the bush, sit, sit around wildlife, and I'd have my family in the in a in a in a car where where we would just sit and chat, and we'd we'd watch animals, and then we'd. You know, so I'd spend three or four weeks in an African bush with animals and my, and my family. That's what I would do. Amazing. So you know what's left on the bucket? Oh, there's yeah, lots of things, but it'll be animal related. You know, um, swimming with the whales in in um, Samoa is something I'd love to do. I've swum mm-hmm. with dolphins four or five times in in the, in the ocean. I've swum with a whale shark. So those kind of things um, uh, would be what I would do straight away. 
Amazing. Yeah. Are you ready for my last question? Yeah. I'm ready to take notes because I feel you will have a very good answer for this again, no pressure. Do you have a book recommendation for my fake book club? It's quite a difficult one. I'll tell you why why it's a difficult one because I've read a lot of books. I really, you know, I mean, I tossed out literally hundreds of books not that long ago and we've still got hundreds of books here, you know, in, in the office and I've got it at home. You know, one of the things that I would, another piece of advice that I'd give to my younger self is don't read too many books. And so it might sound a bit strange. Okay. Yes, and it does sound strange. I'm trying to read a book a week at the moment. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I, I think I, I, if, 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 I, if I did it again, I would read, I would find one book. And there's so, you know, as you know, if you read a lot of books, you'll know that that there's, there's, you know, there's an incredible amount of wonderful stuff in every book. Right for thirty bucks or whatever you pay for a book, there's wonderful stuff in there, and there are thousands of wonderful books. There are right, and there's mm. so many books. I read Atomic Habits recently and stuff. So mm. there's so many good books. Okay, wonderful mm. books, but it's not about the books and the ideas. It's about the implementation. So read one book a hundred times mm. and implement it. Just read it over and over again and implement it. That's what I, I mean. Would say. That's Atomic Habits. That is Atomic yeah. Habits. We don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. That's an amazing quote by James exactly. Clear. I mean, it sounds exactly. like that is what you're preaching. Yeah. Yeah. So right. Atomic Habits together with Essentialism, for example. I think those two th- two books go pretty well together. Essentialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're both very good. And they're kind of – I think they go well together. Um, mm-hmm. well, different to what we've been talking about today. I mean, they not you know, in terms of the context of what we're talking about today – you know, one of the great books is is, is obviously um, Man's Search for Meaning, right, which is mm. a very old book Frankel, by yeah. Victor Frankl. I still haven't read that. You did tell me to read that many years ago, which I haven't, but I do need to thank you. Uh, you did tell me mm. to read A Hero's Journey, and now I can't watch a film again without knowing exactly what's going to happen <laughs> right. within the first seven minutes. I think yeah. you, you helped yeah. me to waste no more time watching films because I now understand how they build plots. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I, did, I did go away and do that after you told yeah. me to about five years ago. So Atomic Habits, Essentialism, and Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankl. Definitely. I mean, the other one that, that's an awesome old book that's actually quite – it has has more depth than one one probably um, what appears in the beginning is is the seven habits of highly effective people, um, mm. you know which is which is to be quite honest when I first read it and first went on a course on it and all this I thought I understood it very easily I thought it was no big deal and then as I got to understand it a bit more having because I read it more often um, I realised I had no clue the first time I read it mm. um, you know so that is because that talks about the private victory. So the first three habits of seven habits is all about the private victory. And the philosophy is you've got to qualify to deal with other people. You've got to get a victory over yourself, which means you've got to be self-aware. You've got to know what's important to you. You've got to focus on what's important to you, spend your time on those things. Then you are in a position to think win-win, to, to synergize and to, to, focus, to, to seek to understand before being understood. You're qualified to deal with the public, right, or other people. Mm. And that's why that book's also very significant. Thank you. Well, now I have four more books to add. To my- no, I've read, I've read Atomic Habits, so I've only got three more. Uh, Justin, this has been a very, very good conversation to round out 22 and actually my podcasting journey with Ensemble or XY Advisors. So on behalf mm. of the entire community 
a huge thank you for being today's guest. And I also just want to say a huge thank you to all of the listeners who have listened along for the entirety of 2022. I have had such a breadth of people come on and share their insights and ideas. And I really hope that people have been able to learn and implement, as you say, some of the great insights. So a huge thank you. Thanks, Jess. It's been really nice.